Hi, Sean Noonan here. I need to apologise for the audio in this episode of the Funk Podcast. Bradley had no idea his quality was set so low and my mic was clipping quite a bit, so if you're sensitive to these sorts of things, this might be worth a skip. If not, sorry about the quality and uh, we'll get this fixed next time. Thanks. Hey everyone, welcome to Funk Podcast, the gaming news and game development podcast from the point of view of game developers. I'm Bradley Tolliver, also known as Comfort Jones. I'm an amateur game developer working on a little Half-Life mod called The Human. This is my co-host, Sean Noonan. Hi, I'm Sean Noonan. I am a indie developer at this point. I am the lead designer on an indie game called Century. Yeah, so um, we got a bunch of stuff going on lately with um, this E3 and the Jeffs, as uh, the Digital Family Crew likes to call them so much. <laughs> the main thing that's really been kind of clawing away at my brain is uh, this uh, this old Resident Evil 4 remake happening. Uh, how, how are you feeling about that, Sean? Um, I don't think it needs to have happened, really. I mean, obviously it's for money. It doesn't need to be remade at this point. It's not ready for it yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think like the main thing that has my eyebrows raised is how much are they actually going to touch the gameplay? Because that's actually... Something I want. Okay. Because what's really been getting at me is this trend of um, one-to-one remakes where the gameplay tries to stay as same as to the original as it can be, even if they're like actually remaking the game. Right. It's, it's kind of like a graphical paint over. Like think of like the Shadow of the Colossus remake and the Demon Souls remake. They did a Crash one, right? Or I think it's literally just Crash, but like painted over. And it just, it rubs me the wrong way. When it's a game of any kind of like significance where it's like the game holds up because people thought it looked good and it still looks good. But now if you want to recommend people play the game, there's a question of like, okay, do they play the modern version, which is not really the game. It's like a reinterpretation of the game. Mm. Do they have to go dig up like a PlayStation 3 or whatever to play like the old remaster? Yeah. Shadow of the Colossus is a game that's like very lauded for its art direction, its sound, all that stuff. And, you know, obviously aspects of it are dated. But I feel like if people want to play that, they should be playing the game. I I think it's kind of weird that there's like a game where it's sort of almost like a replacement title. Yeah, it's happened with uh, some of our beloved shooters as well. (sighs) I've got a couple of uh, friends, and I I still call them friends, but... Damn, okay, where's this going? But they played uh, Black Mesa instead of Half-Life when they were playing those games for the first time. Uh, like, uh, one friend in particular hadn't actually ever played a Half-Life game before, started with Black Mesa and then went on to Half-Life 2. Mm. And that's that's not great, I don't think. I think it's a little different in Black Mesa's case because it definitely is its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it calls itself Black Mesa, which I think is a nice way to kind of distinguish itself. I think the issue in that case is more like Half-Life has not gotten any kind of re-release for two decades in terms of any kind of modernization to it. Like think of like that Quake remaster and all the Quake source ports. I mean, we had Half-Life Source. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, just play that, everybody. Oh, <laughs> God. Nightmare. But yeah, I would say, you know, Black Mesa, I'm going to give that a pass. I think the gold standard is like the Resident Evil remake, where it's very much putting its foot down like this is the definitive edition. And I think what helps is it's like it's the same people working on it. I mean, I don't know if it's like the exact same people, but it's the same, you know, studio. And so Resident Evil 4 has that going for it, at least. You know, hopefully what matters carries through and like 
they find ways to make it interesting. Oh, I, I'm certain it'll be good, and they'll do probably everything right. I, I, I don't think the advancement between the Resident Evil 2 and the Resident Evil 2 remake will be the same, as it will be for 4 and 4 remake, I guess. Yeah. My problem is more that it doesn't need to be done. That time could be spent elsewhere, you know? Like making an original game. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I don't know how the company's set up, but let's just blue sky for a bit, right? Let's say they have their team split into two. They have a team that's dedicated to making new and original games within that franchise. So a new Resident Evil, like Resident Evil 9 or something. Yeah. And then you have another team that's purely there to remake stuff. I would put that team on something like Dino Crisis. Mm or something like maybe even a new Survivor game <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know, like maybe even go back to that original Survivor game and make a good version of it. I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for that game, but uh, it's it's not good. <laughs> yeah. But will the dinosaurs in this Dino Crisis remake have feathers or not? <laughs> but, you know, I think the most, the, the most bizarre remake, but I mean, I guess it works for me because it's coming to PC is we're getting a Last of Us remake after it already got like a really solid remaster just last gen, which I believe is playable on PlayStation 5, right? PlayStation 5 can play PlayStation 4 games natively, correct? Yeah, they have like an, an app. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's playable. So I, I assume that game's playable on a PlayStation 5. So it's like yes. they mentioned they, they want to like touch up gameplay and stuff, which is nice because I think that game was dated when it came out in terms of how it played. Yes, it was. It was hilarious to me how like you could like pick a guy off, go hide behind something for like about 15 seconds and then they just do the fucking Scooby-Doo like, all right, gang, let's split up. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, encounters were sort of rather than signposted, I would say there was a big billboard above them saying there will be a fight here. Yeah, I think The Last of Us 2 does that a lot better. Yeah. This, this is the weirdest, re- it feels like the weirdest remake to have this like one of the biggest games of all time, which then got one of the biggest sequels of all time. So be getting a firm, like the ground up remake, I guess technically two generations ago, the remaster was just one generation. It, it feels really weird. I'm going to put on my speculation cap again and uh, some disclosure, I do know people who work there. Ah. But they're not working on this project, they're working on other projects. So I don't know anything about those, and I don't know anything about this, so this is purely speculation, with nothing informing me at all. But I would say, similar to the way that Resident Evil 3's remake came hot on the heels of Resident Evil 2, because there's a lot of shared DNA between those two games, right? So Resident Evil 2 and 3, very similar games, back on the PlayStation, very similar settings. So there's going to be a lot of like asset sharing, the mechanics are very similar, there's a few extra ones here and there. Yeah. So if you then take that sort of thought process and apply it to The Last of Us Part 2, you've got very similar types of gameplay, very similar settings. When I say settings, I mean backdrop, you know, biomes, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I get you, I get you. That will all translate quite well to the original game. You basically just take the script of that game, uh, you know, the, the narrative, and then just treat it like a mod and probably would happen quite quickly, I'd say. If you've got a decent enough team on it, you know, you could probably knock that out quite fast. <laughs> you think maybe it was like kind of a, maybe not a directive from Sony, but it seems like Sony's pushing harder on the PC platform and maybe this was their way of like, hey, we can just get something on PC relatively quick. I would assume that the team probably internally want something to be pushing the engine because the Last of Us Part 2 was a PS4 game, right? Mm. So they're going to want to sort of push something made for, you know, a bespoke PS5 app as quick as possible, like a new IP or that um, multiplayer thing. They're going to take longer than that. 
So it does make sense to kind of get this thing out. And like you said, the PC thing, it's another arm for Sony to sell stuff. So it does make sense. Yeah. I think from the financials, it makes sense. Creatively, it makes sense because that game hasn't aged as well. I think it would be quite hard to play Last of Us Part 2 now and go back to 1. Yeah, it feels weird. A lot has changed in games in that time, so mm-hmm. there's enough reason to do it. It does seem odd because it's it's technically the second remake. I mean, it's good for their portfolio, I suppose, overall. like it, You've got these games that are sort of cohesive at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've been working on games like that for a while where they, they like to work on a game, and then the next game they do, they kind of like build on top of that. And I do really appreciate that they're at least putting their foot down and saying, like, this is like the definitive edition. Because I think that's kind of my core issue with a lot of these remakes is... They often don't feel like the definitive edition, and that's that's kind of what I was trying to get at with the gameplay stuff. Is I feel like if you don't touch gameplay, you're touching things that are like sort of subjective. Like, yeah, the graphic like fidelity is objectively better, but like, is it really what people want? Like, like the Shadow of the Colossus remake, where it's like any single time anything in that remake is off, all I can think is like that's just off. Like that's not how I want it from the original. Even if it's just like such a minor thing, because it's like. The original still looks good, and I want people to be able to experience that, you know, at a higher resolution, at a higher frame rate, and, you know, that's frustrating, where, I don't know, if a game, maybe it has, like, some issues mechanically or whatever, or, you know, you're doing a different take on it, like, the Resident Evil 2 uh, remake, you know, plays very different from Resident Evil 2, so I would never say it, like, replaces that game's legacy, like, if someone asked me oh, yeah. what version should they play, I'm like, well, whatever one you feel like, it's you're going to have a different experience. Or if you ask me what Shadow of the Colossus should you play, I'm like, well, probably the PS3 remastered. And that's that's the problem, right? Yeah. Like PS3. Yeah, of course. It's unfortunate when you look back at some of these, because a lot of the games that are sort of stuck on older consoles, they can't really be played that easily. Yeah. I know that you can still get PS3s on eBay and GameCubes and all that sort of stuff, but... They'll die out eventually. Exactly. The quality of those things is dropping a lot. The PS3 lasers are not particularly great, especially in the, the oldest launch models. So yeah, they're all dying out. The cost to replace them isn't too bad, but you know, it's it's a hassle. And that could be just to play like, I don't know, five games or something. Like that's not a great reason to keep one around, right? Yeah. And it's not a good uh, investment for somebody to kind of, you know, set that up in the, under the TV or monitor or whatever. Um, you're asking quite a lot just to play one game. So then, by default, these new remakes or whatever become the de facto way of playing it just because it's less painful. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess that really, you know, brings us to the most important question, which is uh, when are you planning the Century remake? <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll be like one of those uh, pseudo sequel reboot remakes. There we go. Maybe a prequel too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all of it. The whole lot. Yes. So you've been working on a little side project while working on your indie game called The Interval, right? Yeah. So Reload Magazine, a first person shooter oriented print and web magazine. Yeah, so very like old school focused, right? Yeah, mostly uh, retro FPS stuff. Yeah, they did a game jam to generate content for their, you know, first issue, right? So following on from when there was an E1 M1 magazine game jam, I took part in that. That was actually a competition one, which I won, which was nice. Not something that happens very often in game jams for me. That went pretty well, and it was because the game jam was locked to using quite an archaic engine called RGM, which is like a ray trace game maker or something. I I really can't remember what it stands for now. It essentially allows you to build Wolfenstein clones. Right. 
but with a few extra things like you can look up and down for instance which you can't do in wolfenstein oh <laughs> yeah yeah well how, how does it stand next to like like gz doom or something like oh far far more limited than that like far far more limited Damn. all right so that was with the e1m1 jam <laughs> With the Reload Jam, they moved up in the world to the EFPS-E engine, which I think is Easy FPS Editor or Engine. I don't think I've ever heard of that in my life. So that one allows you to make quite faithful Wolfenstein clones, Mm. but it also allows you to import models Mm. and also allows you to make custom geometry. So you can almost build something me or quakey. And uh, what attracted you to uh, doing another game jam? Well, it's purely that. It's working in weird, archaic engines. Hmm. The limitations are so strict. But like you'll have an idea for something, you'll hit the wall really fast as to what you can or can't do within the engine. Yeah, I remember seeing you struggle just with like a, ra- what was it, like a raised platform and like some geometry was just in a way where like the engine was like, nope, can't display enemies correctly on screen. Yeah, so because the engine's technically 2D, though it allows you to do 3D things, that there are some things that don't quite translate well. Uh-huh. But because you hit those limitations so fast, it allows you to be quite creative in your methods to solve them. Yeah. I find it just a really good excuse to kind of learn new things. One example in the EFPS-E engine, which uh, the interval was made in, you can import models which can have animations, but you can't animate textures. So I wanted to have like computer terminals with screens on and stuff. Ah. So I can animate those. So what I did was I made five screens, put them all inside the model, and every frame swapped the screen model out for one of the others. Right. So it just used the type of animation where basically it's like it's a square wave. It's not like a curve. So it's, it's like binary. It's like on off kind of thing. Man. So I used that to basically swap the different screens over like, you know, a number of frames and it kind of made it look like it was moving. I feel bad I didn't appreciate that effect enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's a computer screen. You're like, yep, that's what a computer screen looks like. You play Salako and then you go to this. Yeah. It's like, I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah. Well, uh, what, why don't you tell us uh, what is the interval? So we called it a time-hopping FPS. You play as an agent for a shadowy future agency that deals with time travel only backwards, never forwards. One of your agents has gone rogue and gone forwards, so then you've got to basically take them down. Mm-hmm. You jump between different time periods chasing after this person. I got really like time splitters crossed with like Metal Gear Solid vibes from the presentation. That was probably somewhat intentional. <laughs> Character asks questions by repeating things with a question mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was quite intentional. One of the reasons I did it in the first place is because it gave me a chance to work with some people as well like that aren't just me. So I worked with um, Dave Zhang, uh, I think you pronounce that Zhang, but I'm not sure, um, who previously worked on Katana Zero. Oh yeah, what, what, what did he do for this? So he did the enemy sprites, most of them, all of the weapon sprites. So it's his fault. The dogs are so adorable. <laughs> Is he going to listen to this? Do I get to talk to him directly through this? Uh, maybe. Because like, I, love, I love that game, Katana Zero. I think that's a banging game. But also, why, why are you making me feel bad for shooting these fucking Tom and Jerry looking dogs? <laughs> like, you know, like people were like, oh, I don't want to kill the dogs in The Last of Us. I'm like, have you ever been like assaulted by like a big scary dog? Because all your love for dogs... It was out the window when one of those things are actually trying to tear your neck out. You know, this dude looking like his name is Rufus or something coming after me. Yeah, <laughs> Rufus. I was like, oh, look at him. 
I remember when um, Dave sent the first image over for those, and I think they may have had round ears or something. And I think I said, we need to make these things spiky. Oh, of course. Because the sound effect I've put together for these is going to make people wince. <laughs> and uh, judging by the YouTube videos I've watched, uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, he did the weapon sprites, the enemy sprites. He did some of the incidental um, 2D geometry sprites in the world. Right. And he did all of the briefing stuff, which was like awesome. That came kind of last minute. It really added to the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was the cherry on top. It gives it character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, the design of everything does have like a lot of character. It's very, it's very silly. It's very, it's like, yeah. you know, that's too serious, but it's all very expressive. It's very clear when you're doing things. Enemies read really well at a distance. Yeah. Uh, I think my only real complaint was the fucking machine gun that just like started shooting me at like a distance. I wasn't sure if I could shoot it. Yeah. But you know, overall, it's pretty good. That was a last minute addition, unfortunately. I knew it. Yeah. I could smell a last minute addition. Yeah. I had it in mind, yeah. but I hadn't tested it or anything. So when it went in, I was like, oh, this could be a bit much. Yeah. And yeah, it is basically a point where I think every single person I've seen play the game struggled there, yeah. which is a shame. I think one of the issues with the placement of it is a fairly long corridor with a bunch of cover points. Yeah, it's easy to think you're supposed to like weave in between cover or something. Yeah. And you keep getting hit and it's just like, what, what do I do? That's a number I didn't change. Yeah. So another late addition that caused all of these problems was the uh, explosive barrels. Mm. I don't know if there's a way of customizing the strength of the explosions. So what I had to do when I added the barrels last minute was rebalance the whole game, every damage value to make the barrels make sense. Oh, man. <laughs> so in doing that, there are a few values I didn't change and one of them was the machine gun. Oh, man. There needed to be a longer grace period between the hit scan firing and it actually being able to damage you as well. Yeah. It was a fun game to make because, like you say, it wasn't serious or anything. Like it has like a sort of faux serious tone going through it, but obviously it's it's all tongue in cheek and it's all very retro in its feel. Yeah, so you feeling good about it? Yeah, yeah, I was I was really happy with the way it turned out, and it was good to work with like Dave and um, you brought in somebody who does fan art of Katana Zero as well oh, to okay. help out. So uh, oh, that's cool. That was somebody known as Koff, who did all of the enemies that are in the third level that aren't in the game, <laughs> unfortunately, because I didn't finish the third level. Right. Uh, so he did all of those, but he also did the shower characters as well. So I love that touch. That was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to bring that out, but a fucking dude runs up to me with a pistol and <laughs> what was that? Like I got like a like a a brush with like soap on it or whatever. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, as soon as I put a shower in, like I think everyone at the same time thought, right, we need to have people in towels because <laughs> that that's what that's the tone of this game. Yeah. Um, it's it's like the really over the top cheesy use of the hammer and sickle and all of the Soviet stuff. It's just so over the top. I love doing that. Yeah, yeah. It just reminds me of like you know the old Red Alert games. They were just like yeah. they'd stick a hammer and a sickle on everything. <laughs> like, of course. You gotta know who the bad guys are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I really enjoyed making that stuff. And obviously uh, Bertrand, how do you pronounce his surname? Gogan. He did the music, which was period appropriate, which was nice. Yeah. And absolutely nailed the submarine track. I think the direction I gave him was Shadow Moses in a submarine. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I think that's pretty much it. And it, it all just came together. It was really fun working with them. Yeah, it was just a shame we didn't, because of the nature of the game, being time travel, you have to do th the amount of levels worth of content, you know? Yeah. So, so like, if you've got a guy that shoots, um, you have to have a guy that shoots in every time period. Yeah. 
So we ended up having to do like a load of melee guys, one per time period, uh, range guys and a boss per time period. And um, I had to make textures for every time period as well. And there's a reason why the first level looks so like handcrafted compared to the second level. Like there's not really much in the way of texture repetition in the first level. It's because I, when I built that level, I was thinking about what every surface was going to have on it and I was going to paint it straight after. Um, Every time I built a room, I just draw it, you know, straight away. And the second level, I started doing that. And then I realized... You don't have time. Yeah, we just don't have enough time. And obviously my computer died the second week. Yeah, I thought I was going to lose all of the work, you know. And because the engine isn't one of those ones where it's easy to collaborate, really. um, They were just sending me stuff on Discord and I was just implementing it. So I I was making stuff and implementing. So I was kind of a bottleneck for everything. So when my computer decided to take to the grave, I thought I'd basically ruined everyone else's work, you know. Like yeah. I, I felt like responsible for that. And I, I felt really bad that I couldn't get Coughs, uh sprites in because I just didn't have time to make that third level. It happens when you got a deadline, you know, shake it, Scott. We ended up not meeting our deadline anyway. I said... Um, yeah, of course we could make a game that's one level long but it sort of loses the point of the game a little bit because you know there's no time hop there mm-hmm. we needed at least two so we got the two levels in I, I did a little there's a little teaser of the third level at the end but um i didn't get very far in that because it, it requires the most custom texture work so i just wasn't going to get it done well at least you got a hammer and sickle and everything <laughs> yeah but it, it was good fun. Um, you can play it on my itch page, uh, sean-noonan.itch.io slash interval. I'll put it in the comments as well. Yeah, so. definitely check it out. It's a good time. Yeah, people seem to like it. So I mentioned earlier, we had like the E3 and the and the Jeffs and all that. And I didn't really get into too much of what they showed because honestly, I I, uh, I thought the showings were better than like what we gotten in the past where it's like, you know, just CGI trailers and kind of like vague information. But what we actually are getting is not really my vibe. I, Starfield just is like everything. I don't really give a shit about games. You know, there's a couple of things that look kind of neat, but Attitude wasn't really my thing, like Redfall. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember if it was the Game Awards doing this or if it was the Next Fest thing. There's so many of these tiny shows, but there's like a, a couple different like indie showcases happening over like the last couple weeks or months. And uh, Signalis is top of my list right now. I don't know if you uh, have heard of this. It's this sort of top-down-ish, sort of like isometric uh, survival horror game. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen it a fair bit. Where you're like some kind of like android on like, an, like a derelict spaceship crashed on some planet shooting these like ungodly, you know, like mutant robot people or whatever. I, I played the demo uh, and it gave me very like Silent Hill vibes where it's like, you know, it's a survival horror game, but like it's not the most hardcore of survival horror games. At least that's the vibe I got from the demo, which I'm fine with. I, I, I think it's actually kind of sad how the more classical kind of survival horror where you just, you know, managing your inventory a bit, and backtracking through levels. It, it feels like it's kind of going by the wayside. Well, it did back when Resident Evil 4 came out, really, right? Oh, yeah. Because then the only way from Resident Evil 4 is to go further in that direction, right? <laughs> Which is what you get when you get 5 and obviously 6. Yeah. <laughs> we also got Whiplash, where it's like we went from that to like pure like run away from stuff horror, which also doesn't really do it for me because you're actually, your your decision making is a little bit more limited, where it's like, the choice as to whether or not you want to kill something, I think, is spookier than if, like, something's just chasing you and, like, there's just kind of, like, a set path you take to get away from it. 
Yeah, I think a balance of all of these options is usually the best method, right? Which is why I think people were quite happy with the way Resident Evil 2's remake turned out, right? Yeah, it's that feeling of like, am I making a bad decision? Like, am I, am I fucking up trying to shoot this guy or should I fight him? Oh no, I gotta get out of here. One of the big things that hobbled um, survival horror quite a bit is that you can't really release a game these days that allows the player to break their own game. Mm. Something like Resident Evil 1, the player is able to make their experience awful quite easily. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, you can shoot your pistol rounds at the first zombie, miss a lot, and then probably not really be able to get very far in the game if you don't reach the right skill level, you know, when it comes to dodging things. Oh, yeah. You can hobble yourself really easily in those games, and that's just not going to fly anymore. I think there's another kind of thing that drives that, and I think a lot of those games are really designed around the abstract nature of video games. Agree. This is something that got covered pretty well in um, a big video from uh, the Gaming Bread YouTuber I'm a huge fan of. If uh, you've never seen his stuff, I highly recommend checking it out. But he talked about this in his uh, Sound Hill 3 video where he's talking about how the gameplay is kind of an abstraction from the world that's like presented in the cutscenes, right? And it feels like over the last couple generations, um, we've really, really tried to limit how extreme that like differences in the abstraction. And I think that's why a lot of like moments happen in quick time events and cutscenes. Like they want you to feel like the characters are making the story appropriate decisions and like the right bespoke animations are playing to like really sell that. Yeah. They don't want it to be abstract, you know? But it's like, I think that abstract nature is what immerses you into those titles. The decisions you make and, like, the way you experience, like, something happening on screen is so different than, like, if it's an animation of your character running away or freaking out is playing. And, and even just stuff like loading screens between doors where they can really craft an experience for each, you know, room where it's like, okay, this is the safe room. You go in there and it's just the safe room. You know, it's safe. You're fine. And then like another door you open and there's just like 50 enemies and you freak the shit out. You turn around and leave. There was no way you could have known they were in there. You can't really do that anymore. RE2 make kind of cheats a little bit. Like there's like safe rooms that just enemies just like won't go into. Like you could open the door for them and they'll just kind of like not go in. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. I understand the compromise, but I don't like the fact that I can feel the compromise. Like you can feel that like the game world doesn't 100% play ball with the game mechanics where the game world 1000% plays ball with the game mechanics in the old RE games. It's like how the game plays is how the game world is set up. The game world and the gameplay are one-to-one. There's no weird little fuckery they have to do with AI or whatever. The only time they do that is in narrative moments when it makes sense. Yeah, like- yeah. They have that, uh, a couple of zombies that can go through doors in Resident Evil 1, right? Yeah. Because they happen in cutscenes or because it's, you know, a specific moment that they're drawing attention to. It's a big surprise when they do. It's like, they'll, yeah. they'll cheat. They'll have a loading screen that's not like a real loading screen and then the zombies yeah. will knock the door. It's great. It's great. Even that, it's playing with the abstract nature. It's, it's, it's almost like a fourth wall break where it's like, hey, you're used to these being loading screens. So what if we just kick one open, you know? <laughs> like, ah, I love it. I played Resident Evil 1 in the, I'm going to say the, the holiday between primary school and secondary school in 96. The good old days. Yeah, so I remember playing that game and a, fr- a friend and I rented it and we didn't have a memory card between us. No. <laughs> oh god. That game was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, of course. Y- you know, you couldn't save, so like the horror was being um, amplified. Yeah. 
so we got quite good at the uh, first part of the game because <laughs> the amount of like having to replay it. But yeah, like at the time, that, that was mind blowing. That game, there was no um, language that had been properly codified for like how a game should look, feel, play. Yeah. So seeing a game that was from that camera angle and had these types of weapons and these types of enemies was like. All of it was novel, all of it. Um, and that, that happened through the entire generation. And that's something that you still see in indie stuff now. You don't really see it in AAA anymore yep. because things all need to be consumable because you can't put these like breaks in towards the start of the game or whatever where, you know, people might bounce off it. Yeah, less friction, more and more iteration of what's already been done. Exactly. But indie can totally still do that. Yep. So we are seeing more indie um, survival horror games as a result. Yeah. Yeah, people want it in that in that niche. It's always been a question mark for me, like how big the survival horror market actually is. Like whenever I've suggested working on survival horror games to like, you know, directors and things at companies I've worked at, it's usually laughed off. I feel like there's probably sort of like an upper and lower end where it's like, I think if you're working on like a cheap game, it probably can pay off pretty well because I think yeah. people who are into it are pretty enthusiastic. But yeah, I would not be surprised if like, if you threw like a really serious budget, if, if it fucks you pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Like people want to see franchises they've seen before. And from this, I guess this past week or two with all of these events going on, I cautiously jumped around a couple of YouTube reaction channels. Uh It was disappointing to see how upset people got over how unremarkable they found the presentations. (laughs) It's not the old days anymore, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, some of them were angry, some of them were like visibly upset that they weren't being wowed by things all the time. It's, it's like, impossible to be wowed. I don't know what to tell you. Like shit gets leaked and like Yeah, yeah. You can just kind of tell what's happening now. Cause people used to lose their shit for games they should have already known were happening. Like there's that video where people are like screaming for like a uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. I think it was before they even called Twilight Princess. And it's like, Yeah, did you think we weren't gonna get a Legend of Zelda game? Did you think <laughs> Yeah, but I get it because they they wanted to see like a higher end Legend of Zelda game, and Wind Waker didn't exactly give them that. You know, where it's like, oh, it looks better. You know, whatever. And you know, you're not gonna get that again. I don't care how good the next Legend of Zelda game looks. It's not gonna make people do that. It's not gonna do that to you. Is you you gotta you gotta learn. You were a part of a certain time where that was possible. You know, yeah. where like a game like I I, I view games like Halo kind of like the Star Wars of a game. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like. Mm-hmm. There used to be movies where, like, they came out and, like, it just hit everything. Pop culture just changed overnight. Where it's like, you can't you can't do that anymore. You just can't. Like, you just can't. The biggest you get out of, like, a big movie now is, like, the memes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I don't think anyone's ever going to, like, reference the Marvel movies in, like, a... Um, how do I put it? Like, in a way where it's, like, influenced other movies. Like, the way, like, Star Wars or, uh, you know, Alien, etc. did. But they'll do memes. It's not the same. It's not that same kind of culture. That's because we've we've grown up with mo- like so many big movies now. There's no such thing as a movie that like blows your mind. You've yeah. seen it. You've seen a fucking planet explode. You've seen a giant, you know, CGI monster. You've seen all the same video games. It's for some reason people are still in that mentality where it's like they want some announcement that's gonna make them go like fucking what? It's like that's 
Yeah. Games are a product. It's very rare that products are like shocking because they're trying to make a product that many people will consume. Like you, you ever hear a food announcement where you're like, what the fuck? Like, of course not. Cause it's food, you know, like you make something that's consumable. Sadly, video games are products. They're, they're more food than art. You know, they're more yeah. something. They're a bag of potato chips far more than they are a painting that you've never seen before. Yeah. Obviously that's a sliding scale, right? Like, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. There's smaller, low-key stuff to be made, and then that's where big change can happen. Like, mm. for me, one of the biggest eye-opening games I've played in a long time was Gravity Bone and 30 Flights of Loving. I sort of connect the two. But uh, playing those sort of woke me up a little bit and changed what I wanted to be playing and, for me, crucially, what I wanted to be making. And they are tiny games made by a single person. Yeah, of course, yeah. I think there's quite a lot of weight in those smaller announcements that people are probably ignoring because they want somebody to announce a new Mirror's Edge yeah. game or a new Dead Space game or a new Gears of War game. Yeah. Spoilers, they are all getting sequels one day. Yeah, yeah don't worry about it. <laughs> Did you know there's going to be a new Halo game? There's probably going to be a new Resident Evil game. Oh, also, there's going to be a new Silent Hill game at some point. What? Yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, I think we got more exciting shit out of that ridiculous Devolver presentation, which continues to be the best thing about <laughs> this season of game. Good lord, getting a Suda51 to be a, a talking robot was uh, <laughs> great. I love that um, a skate story where it's like you're like this like demon or something in like the netherworld or some shit. Like you're just like this weird abstract humanoid who's just like skating while like this really kind of moody music plays. And I'm like, you know, I might I might have to pick that up because I, I like a game where you can just kind of like, you know, vibe to it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Out of everything that's being shown, I think the only thing where I'm like, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on it is probably the Dead Space remake and uh, Callisto. It feels very funny that both those are coming at the same time. I feel like those teams have got to be looking at each other, like from across the way, just like, you motherfucker, you think you think you're going to do, you think you're going to do my shit better? Fuck you. Isn't <laughs> Callisto being done by like the guys who originally worked on Dead Space? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're doing that, and EA is remaking Dead Space after telling them to go fuck themselves because Dead Space 3 didn't sell, like, a billion copies when they, you're like, hey, I get the cover-based fucking shooting co-op in there. Ugh. So this is another example. I can't believe I didn't bring this up while we were talking about remakes. This is another example where if they do the one-to-one -one thing, it's going to really fucking piss me off. Like... That universe has so much room for doing whatever you want. But like with the monsters, you know, you could you could design new necromorphs, all that stuff. But if all they want to do is just have it play like Dead Space, but like, it, you know, feels a little better. Like, like if I had to pick that or like a, a new game made by like the people who originally made Dead Space, like why the fuck would I, you know, play your, your thing? So I want to see some kind of new approach to, to something because I, I feel like there's stuff to improve in that game. The only time um, the sort of games fan in me sort of turns on, yeah. so when I start thinking like a fanboy more than a developer or, right. you know, a rational human, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were to remake something that's had sequels, spin-off media yeah. and stuff, I like the idea of compiling all of the positive parts and making a new product using all of the good stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I understand why you wouldn't do that because that technically removes your op option to kind of redo that again and get more money. Uh -huh. But the fan in my brain says, no, I don't care about that. Just put all the cool stuff together. Yeah, something I'm hoping from at least one of these two releases, either Dead Space or Callisto's, I think Dead Space, the enemies are maybe like 20% too fast. 
it's not that they're too fast in a vacuum, like they're just too quick or something. But the problem is they clearly design around kind of like the speed of the general like slashing enemy. And so like your your starting gun is kind of all you need for that game because it it does everything you need. It will give enemies a bit of hits done. So even if they're moving quickly, it'll kind of stop them for a second. It's accurate. It uh, cuts off limbs, which is how you kill enemies in the game. You cut off their limbs. You don't just like do damage. And you know that's that's kind of all the gameplay really like revolves around ninety five percent of the time. Like occasionally there's like a swarm of like the little dudes, like these like, tiny little like things that like attach to you. So that's when it's kind of nice to have something that like makes an explosion or whatever. And sometimes there's a really fast enemy, so maybe you want an enemy gun that like knocks them over. But like you know, I always wanted them to play more with the the damage model like cutting off the limbs is like one way you can kill them but maybe there's like different kinds of enemies that have like different kinds of um, body types you know where it's like their weak points are less easy to expose or yeah i was thinking like i would make the starting like plasma cutter like not stun enemies like i would make the like starting enemy kind of slow have them kind of like stomp towards you and you're like desperately trying to like cut on the bits and until you get like a limb off him, he's not even stopping. Like, you know, you're shooting his legs and he's like, yeah, whatever. He loses a leg and he starts, you know, pulling himself towards you without even skipping a beat. I think that would help then make like a gun where maybe it doesn't cut off limbs as well, but like it has stopping power. That would like matter. And then maybe you have an enemy where you can't really cut it up. You just have to like do damage to it. Like for whatever reason, like maybe it's like a, co- a conglomerate of, you know, flesh right. all sewn together. So you just need to kind of blow it up. Yeah. Just, I, I want to see something like that, and I'm really hoping Callisto does does, does that because Callisto it's it's a more original project, so I, I I assume they're more willing to kind of go all over the place with it. Yeah, yeah, I I have no idea what the Dead Space um, remakes like. You have reminded me though that there's a really good Dead Space game on the iPhone. Oh yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> I don't think you can play it anymore. I think it's gone. Nope, probably not. But yeah, that was a really good game. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucked up. There's Dead Space Two DLC. It's not available on the PC. Uh, I love Dead Space 2 and I've never gotten to play that. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, it, it really sucks. Hey, maybe they'll remake it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, I don't I don't have the highest hopes for survival horror ever coming back in like the mainstream. Resident Evil 2 remake was like, you know, that was like crazy to me. And then Resident Evil 3, they kind of got back more, you know, it's closer back to like kind of action horror. Uh, Dead Space is definitely action horror. It is not survival horror. You're not like constantly making decisions as to like whether or not you should run away. You, you know, things pop up, you, you blast that. Yeah, yeah. It's a wall that you have to keep smashing down, right? Yeah. But I did recently play uh, Resident Evil 8. Um, and I have feelings on it. Okay, I've not played that yet. You haven't played it. Okay, I, I, I won't get the story stuff. Um, So I am not a big story game guy. I feel like that's probably the biggest thing that divides me from like, I guess like the, the mainstream consumer base is I do not give a shit about stories <laughs> and games. It's not, that I, it's not that I can't enjoy them. It's just that like the instant it gets in the way of me playing the game at all, I get mad. Right. Uh, like The Last of Us 2 is painful for me to replay because there's so much stuff that like gets in the way of me just like shooting dudes. And it's like, mm. it's not like all I want to do is shoot dudes, but I hate the divide where it's like, okay, I'm shooting people and now I'm just having like a story moment where if I play like, let's say a Silent Hill game, there are moments of calm and obviously there are like story beats. But even if you skip those cutscenes, you're still experiencing those moments of calm and they don't feel like forced where it's like, oh, here's like the room that definitely doesn't have any enemies. And like, you're going to be totally safe as long as you're here. And then like your character is going to play a, a bespoke animation where they drop down and then, oh, no, the bad guy, you know, it's like 
it's a more coherent experience in that way. But Resident Evil 8's story is uh, the most feelings I've had from a game story <laughs> in years. The, the insanity <laughs> that that game that happens in that game. The um, the tone of it, where like it's kind of taking itself seriously, but it kind of knows it's ridiculous. It it felt like kind of old school Kojima, where it's like. He knew he was writing ridiculous shit, but there were still moments where I'm like, I don't think you realize how dumb that actually is. This kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like he knows he's being being silly with like psycho manners, but I'm not sure he understands how silly he's being with like the genetics and like science, right? And like those games. Like that's what's fun about them is like they're silly but serious at the same time. Yeah, and it's like oh, I'm I'm desperately straining not to spoil. Like, there's little moments where like something horrible happens to your character, and like I scream because I'm like, how is he gonna continue for that? And then he just does. He just he just tanks it, and it's like, is the game gonna comment on this or not? It's great. It's 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 wild. Like this dude will suffer the worst injuries imaginable, usually to his hands, because that's the easiest thing to visualize. <laughs> yeah. And then he just pours some green liquid on it. And he's like, well, that was some shit. <laughs> you know, gameplay wise though, it's, it's definitely in a weird place where it, we, were, we were talking about how you can't have like too much friction and like survival horror. And it's like, I feel that with this game where it's like they want to have those moments where you're 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 sneaking along, you're feeling creeped out, you're supposed to like not want to fight too much in like the first parts of the game. But the levels they they kind of like they uh what's the word? They it's kind of linear, you know, even though it's like an open space, you're you're still going down like a pretty set path and the further you get in, the more unavoidable combat feels. And unfortunately, the combat itself never felt great enough for that to be like a worthwhile endeavor. It just felt like something I had to do. Right. There were moments where like it was almost great. Like um, there's like these enemies who have like these glowing weak spots and they cover them until they attack most of the time. The first one that shows up, you see him. He's like a, it's like a robot like mutant guy, right? He's got like he's like a cyborg. Uh, <laughs> okay, that sounds wild, but <laughs> for that yeah, game, yeah, it's like it's like a zombie with like metal shit attached to him. And all it's great. Uh, <laughs> and you see him like asleep, and like you know that thing's gonna wake up, or you know one of those is gonna show up. There's no way they're gonna just have like a fucking zombie with like a drill hand just as like a prop and not show up, right? And sure enough, he wakes up after you do like a thing. And, you know, how these games play is you shoot an enemy and when they get close, you run away, right? Problem is, I'm in, like, a really linear space, so, like, I just run away from him. I go down some stairs, and he can't follow me down the stairs. So I go back up, and there's, like, some space between us, like, a decent amount of, like, room. And he's just kind of, like, standing there. So I shoot him in his weak spot. Then he starts coming towards me, and I'm like, uh, well, I gotta leave again. And so I go down the stairs. And he still doesn't go down the stairs and he just goes right back to that spot again. Rinse, repeat. Huh. And I was really upset because it's like, that's not me going out of my way to break the game. That's not like, yeah, I've had disagreements with people about like, is it bad when I kill enemies and Dishonored and I feel like the game's too easy or whatever. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. But like, I've been playing the game how it's meant to be played. You know, when enemies get close, you run away, you know, you try to reposition. So I'm repositioning to the only place I can go, which is go down the stairs. But this enemy can't follow me. <laughs> and there's a couple spots like that where it's just... It felt like whenever the game presented something really hard and I kind of like got scared of it and ran away, the game couldn't handle that. But, and I wanted it to. I wanted to have that moment where like he, he keeps going for you. Hmm. Like another example is just like this giant wolf thing. 
and you're in like the village. And so obviously, you know, there's this giant thing coming bounding towards you. What are you going to do? You're going to duck inside one of those buildings. Well, he doesn't follow you inside the building. So now what? I guess I'm going to poke out and shoot him. And then when he fucking runs at me at like 25 miles per hour, I'm going to go back in the building. Because what am I going to do? Dodge that? I'm not dodging that. I'm going back inside the building. <laughs> yeah, that sounds unfortunate. I bet there's some limitations there that are causing it. Yeah, it's like I want a version of that game where it's like the limitations aren't as felt. And it's like it's kind of what we were getting at with like Dead Space. It's like that's really hard in survival horror. And I think that's why that genre is kind of struggling along. You know, I think the best I think it's been in more recent times, and I say more recent, I'm talking about Resident Evil 4 here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that village scene at the start. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the villi- that's where like it feels like everything's firing on all cylinders, even though I, I don't necessarily love how that whole scene plays out. It feels like, holy shit, like anything can happen. Like you, you got to go all over the place. You know, everything's just going quite crazy. You're making all these decisions. And it's like the rest of the game's not really like that. No, no, there's a bit towards the end of the first part of the game, I guess, where you're in this like house and it's, it's nighttime, you're on a hill and stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's people attacking, like, is it, is it like a just a cottage kind of thing? And you're defending that. That was kind of the closest I think it got to yeah. that. I think Condemned was pretty good at getting some of these feelings as well. Like, <laughs> Although it was a survival horror game, I would say it just felt pure horror a lot of times for me. Right, yeah. I checked behind every door in that game and there was never a, there was never an enemy, ever. <laughs> but I did, I checked behind every door because mm. I, I felt that tense. The mix of horror and like letting the player like actually make decisions is just so rough if you're also trying to have a more believable, realistic world. It's, it's, it's really rough. You need to provide limits on the player that kind of thematically work. Um, yep in uh, the modern era uh, which is is quite difficult i think like yeah. the reason condemned works so well is because your character walks like a tank <laughs> they can't really do a whole lot when it comes to combat yeah and the enemies are a bit more nimble than you but because they're sort of weirdo druggy enemies <laughs> <laughs> um it's kind of okay that there's that sort of power difference yeah it's quite difficult to get i think you know um i think there's one team that could maybe do this and I don't think they're going to. And that's Naughty Dog. I actually think some of those uh, scenes with like the infected in The Last of Us, especially in The Last of Us 2, are like the closest it's felt to like a triple A survival horror game where it's like you got to, you know, figure out the layout of this area. You got to like pay attention to enemy patterns and figure out how you want to deal with them. And even if like everything goes to shit, usually you can like run away and like the enemies will reset to their positions and you still got to like work around that. You got to decide how how much of my resources do I want to spend to like, you know, deal with these things or do I want to try to be sneaky? And I'm really curious what what would it be like if they tried to make an entire game revolving around that? I would be interested in a Naughty Dog Silent Hill game. Really? Hmm. Yeah, because I think I don't love... Like their stories, as, I don't like their. I have this thing where their writing is like they want to do like these realistic, serious characters, right? But then they want to do like a video game ass video game because like The Last of Us, for as as serious as it takes itself, yeah. In between all these serious dramatic moments, you're fucking killing like dozens of dudes, and it's like canon. That's like a thing your character does. He's like traveling across the country in the post-apocalypse. Yeah. Talking about a backpack and a horse, and it's like I I think it's I find it silly. Like when Ellie is like, I'm going on a revenge quest, and I'm like, what is she like? Seventeen in Last of Us Two, and she's like, I I find it funny. I'm like, it's it's just eye rolling to me. 
But when you do it in the context of a Silent Hill game where, um, you know, reality is played with more, you have like serious moments and then you're in, you know, hell itself fighting weird monsters. I think their skill at directing actors, and I think they are good at like writing these characters, I think would really shine. And I think they're the only team I would be excited for um, to do a modern Silent Hill game. I'm skeptical if they would be able to get the Silent Hill experience that I want. But I think it would at least be something interesting. And I think if they got the right creature designer, they could make something that would be pretty fucked up. The, re- the reason I, I sounded surprised is because I think I think I could probably say the same for like a lot of bigger uh, AAA teams. I think you could mm. I think you could get a good game, out, uh, a good Silent Hill game out of any of them, really. I guess, but like how many have that experience where they've, they've done both really good directing of like actors and also like the kind of like horror elements that they have in the last, I, I can't think of a lot of other teams that have really balanced that so well. I guess the, the performances of actors and stuff is not something I value particularly highly in the Silent Hill games. I mean, they're not like, the, the character, it's like, yeah, they're not great, but like they, they at least come across far more genuine than most characters did at the time. They don't feel anime, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that, that, that the other end of the spectrum, I suppose, it, that, f- that still feels good is something like Metal Gear, where it is quite anime, right? Yeah, yeah, like, people wanted, like, a Kojima um, Silent Hill game, and I'm like, I think, I think his, like, style would honestly hurt the end result. I don't think he would be able to deliver characters that, like, I would find compelling. I'm sorry, but, like, his last couple outings, I just, I feel like something's gone. I don't know if it's, he had a co-writer who was helping him with this stuff or what, but it's like, when you have a guy who shows up out of nowhere with like a golden like death mask on, teleporting in front of the character, talking all this shit, getting like right in his face, and this is a character who supposedly has like a fear of being touched, and then summons like this fucking like giant demon thing out of the water, and it's like, this thing's gonna kill everybody. And your character does not say a word and barely emotes. I'm like, this sucks. Like, this character sucks. This story experience sucks. Like, I, I do not, I would not trust him to, to do that well with a Silent Hill game. I can just imagine the most, like, fucked up monster you could imagine coming out and being, blah, 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 you know, like, doing some crazy shit. And whatever Hollywood actor he's got to play <laughs> the main character, just going like, huh? And, like, giving you a less convincing reaction than James Sunderland did, in, what was it, 2002? Like, yeah. Nah, don't, I don't need it. Don't want it. Don't want it. No, nah, no. I, I wasn't convinced by that pairing either. Yeah. But uh, you've been playing some stuff. We've been talking about what I've been playing and looking forward to. Um, I think we both played uh, the Salako demo, right? Yeah, um, I played that. It, it, it's cool. It's pretty much what I thought. Mm. There's a lot of really good feedback on everything. There's a lot of spectacle. It's all very well done. My problems were... It, I, I, I hesitate to talk about it because I haven't seen any people really talking about it, so I feel like maybe yeah. it's just my problem. I feel you. I know what you're about to say. I felt like the game and the level design were not communicating with each other. They, they felt like it was two games in one, yeah. and I, it was kind of frustrating because of it because I, I, I could see how good the one game could be, but how this other game that's in there is holding it back quite a lot. Yeah. It's like you're moving 100 miles per hour, but you keep needing to stop to, you know, frob, you know, like uh, click on hotspots to pick things up. And you need to be observant to find things because of the, the abundance of detail in the world. Yeah. 
the game controls don't really lean well into that. So like overly detailed worlds, you're like hitting into everything all the time. I found it quite frustrating. It was annoying to me because I was looking forward to it. <laughs> all of the fluff, it nails. It looks great. Um, there's loads of cool world building stuff. Like it's nice, but all of that seems to clash with the core of what their gameplay is. They're making a fairly high speed pseudo tactical shooter yeah and you know i'm clipping on things left right and center and <laughs> having to look for things that were so many times i was just wandering aimlessly around and um those nice environments get dull quite fast if you didn't know where you meant to be going i think it could be overwhelming i found it genuinely a little visually overwhelming and yeah. there are multiple moments where i had trouble seeing the enemies clearly because the environments have so much stuff going on there's so much feedback whenever you you shoot Mm -hmm. And the enemies are 2D sprites. Yeah. And I wouldn't say those sprites do the best job standing out. And yeah, I agree with you. I, I feel like I totally see their influences. Yes. I've, I've spoken with them a bit, like on Discord. I understand what they're going for. There's this problem with like modern indie games where there's so much slavish like attention to like the juice of the game that mm -hmm. I think it comes before whether or not that like actually aids the game. Like when you show that game being played well by someone who's really used to it where they're like they're you know moving all over the place they're doing crazy stuff they're running and like kicking dudes into a wall and blowing their head off like it looks so juicy yeah. every single time i tried to melee a guy i feel like something went wrong i was like i got shot too much or like i got stuck on something and i was like i don't want to do this because i would rather just shoot him from a distance because like the damage model is so punishing. Yeah, everything. Every time I tried to do something that I'd seen yeah. being done cool by someone else looked terrible. Whenever I did it, yeah. I felt like I tripped over my laces. You know, every time I went to uh, start a cool moment. Yeah, yeah the two D thing doesn't help in some cases. Where yeah, I wish the enemies could be models. I think that would help a lot. I think that would go a long way. Yeah, it, there, there were quite a few moments where I was above things, and you know, because there's there's height in the level design. Mm. And then when you're above enemies at 2D, stuff starts to fall apart a little bit. And yeah. it's obviously GZ Zoom, right? So yeah. it's a Doom style game, but the verticality in the original Doom games did not take jumping into account. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still excited for it. I still, like, I had an okay time with it. It's not like I had a bad time with it. I enjoyed it overall, and I got good vibes from all of the world stuff. Uh, it's just, I felt that. Yeah. The format of it, coincidentally to what we've been talking about, it felt very um, survival horror-y, the, the world, the way that things were paced and yeah. the way that different things were placed around and stuff. It reminded me of like a like a Resident Evil or a Dying in Crisis or something, just the way stuff was mapped out, mm. but that didn't fit with the combat. Yeah, yeah, because it was fun finding the secrets and stuff. Like I like the, le the attention to detail and the level design was probably my favorite part of it. Like when I was just looking around and being like, damn, this is... Yeah, a really realized world and the secrets actually would sometimes build into that where you'd like find like notes from like a doctor where they like left something locked somewhere and you could yeah. use that code to open it like that's that's really cool i love stuff like that and you know i get it though they have their influences and they're trying something different and you know i'm sure they're going to keep balancing it you know the end result might be a lot different and then there's another game i believe you played the demo where uh the game's clearly trying to be one game and I made the blistering hot take on Twitter that I think the game it's trying to be is still better. And that's um, Trepang 2? Is that how you even pronounce that? I don't yeah, yeah, Trepang 2, yeah. Um, yeah, that game feels like all of the work went into making as many sparks come out whenever you shoot a gun as humanly possible. <laughs> so you don't notice that the level design is somehow more visually uninspiring than the worst parts of fear. 
And I don't think I noticed a single interesting thing with the AI during like my hour of playing with that game. It really disappointing, honestly. I downloaded the very old demo that they released. Oh, okay. I haven't played any of the new stuff. So the thing I played was probably over a year old. There was some kind of narrative um, mode, but I didn't play that. I just wanted to sort of mess around with the enemies. And I, I found it to be quite fun, but fun in a sort of target shooting in a in a big kill box. Yeah, like I feel like that kind of fun dies really quick if you don't have anything else propping it up. And it's like when your environments are like literal like hallways with like some storage containers that like the entrance and the exit look exactly the same. So there were multiple moments where, you know, I would, I would do the thing where you flank around and shoot dudes. And I would actually go back the way I came from because it looked exactly the fucking same as the exit. And I would, it would take me like a minute before I realized, oh, I've been going backwards. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, like if I load up any clip, just any old random clip of fear, you're going to see enemies doing things that was so uncommon at the time. And it's still not totally common now where it's like they'll be uh, wincing when you shoot at them. Like they'll just like duck down. They'll uh, like sidle into cover in interesting ways. They'll vault over cover. They'll they'll leap down from places. They'll climb ladders. You know, all, you know all that shit. Uh, everything that made them feel so much more expressive than like say like a Half Life grunt or something, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like that next step. And these enemies are like significantly behind on that. I never noticed them like intelligently moving around cover. I never heard a call out from them that made me feel like oh I understand what they're doing. Uh, I never saw them like jump over anything. I never saw them crawl under anything. It just it it felt like they got these like very budget models and just got them to like animate like a basic guy should, and that was as much work as went into them. Uh, there's a moment where your character finds a guy with a katana stuck inside of him for some reason, and he like lifts his head up to look at him, and you can see how low poly and bad looking his mask is. And I felt like I was playing one of those games you've talked about where they just got a bunch of assets that <laughs> are like a certain poly count and slapped it all together. And was just like, oh, God, this is this is the next fear game to people. Like, this is the next like this is what people think we're getting now. And I, I feel like because games keep getting these indie games keep getting sold on um like gifts and shit where you just get like a video and go, wow, look how juicy it is. I think shooters are getting worse. I think indie shooters are going to continue to get worse. I think we're getting more and more of these Quake clones where they don't understand how Quake played, but they they do understand people like metal music and they like a fountain of blood every single time you hit an enemy, regardless of what gun you use to kill them, regardless of what kind of enemy you, you kill. So by the time you've played the game for more than an hour, you've seen every single enemy explode into a geyser. Not everything has the same level of impact. Everything has the same level of challenge. And it just, you know, it just molds together in your brain. There's a lot of pressure to be a part of that. Yeah. On Century, when we'd built the trailer, um, I was terrified yeah. that I thought we'd, we'd made something boring. <laughs> Because we'd shown normal gameplay, no, you know, no cutting to just the action or anything. We were showing minute to minute gameplay that included walking around. That's <laughs> um, what I loved about it. Just like it, it was like, oh hey, I can actually trust this game to feel a certain way. Yeah, when you shoot things, there's there's a certain amount of uh, feedback. I, I did spend quite a bit of time making sure that we had that stuff ready. But I didn't feel confident showing the game without any of that stuff, mm-hmm. and because I feel like it's expected now that everything needs to, you know, throw sparks everywhere and everything needs to explode. Yes, yeah, so there's definitely pressure to sort of like adhere to demands of the community, I suppose. Yeah, 
I don't know. I, I think your game's in a unique enough position. Yeah, so we talked about Solico, we talked about Trepang. Uh What else are you looking forward to? What else are you playing? There isn't really a ton I've been looking forward to. Like In a passing way, I've, I'm looking forward to Witchfire. It's, it's the only game I've thought looked cool in the last few years. It's quite similar to a game I was working on at one point that got cancelled. Hmm. So I'll get a chance to actually, you know, play something similar to it. And uh, yeah, like I, I don't really have much to say on it other than it looks cool. And I'm glad that there's another shooter in a different sort of setting. Yeah, it's not Space Marines. It's not Wake Wannabe. Yeah. However, I'm also complete uh, opposite to you. I am looking forward to Starfield. Mm, yeah, tell me about it. What, what's, what's it got you feeling? Because I'll be honest, I did not watch the full thing. I saw... Bethesda, like, open-world gameplay and was like, yeah, and I kind of... So, I have liked all of the Bethesda games. What are you, a casual? <laughs> that I've played, at least. Right. Started at Morrowind and I played Oblivion. Mm. I played a very small amount of Skyrim. I wasn't really into that, which is blasphemy, apparently. But, uh, yeah, I liked Morrowind. I really liked Oblivion. And then I've been a fan of the Fallout games from afar. Exactly. I've played them, but never really finished any. And then I played Fallout 3 through and I, I loved it. I loved New Vegas. And recently I finished Fallout 4. I did enjoy quite a bit, but by the mid game, that game fell apart. The narrative was not good. And uh, <laughs> Fallout games always break about halfway through because you become overpowered. Yeah. And all of the management stuff just started to get in the way. So the game did sort of fall over. But the first part of that game, I, I, I adored. And I would like to do that in space <laughs> next. It was interesting that the, the gameplay presentation was... It's like it had the same script as the gameplay presentation we made for Squadron 42 on Star Citizen. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Uh, one of my friends sent me a message right after the presentation. He's like, did you see that? I was like, yeah, because he worked on it as well. Um, it's like it was, a, it was the same script, like... You, you land on the planet in the same kind of way. You go through this like sort of small um, small in installation. Yeah, you go outside. There's enemies on this like landing pad. A ship comes in. You go across the ship, and it's just I like go watch this now. Of course, theirs looks like way more polished. Like the thing we eventually shown uh, publicly was very rough. Right. Uh, it was quite weird to see that. Mm -hmm. So, because it's quite similar to Star Citizen Squadron Forty Two, it'd be interesting to play it from that point of view as well. But yeah, that's that's about all. I it sounds a bit like um like i'm not excited about anything but it's just i'm enjoying all the stuff that's still out you know I've, yeah i looked at my steam list just now i've got 850 games on there and i've played about 50 of them so <laughs> yeah that's why i don't buy new things anymore i just keep finding myself going back to risk of rain or guilty gear I, i'll end up just playing quake again right <laughs> yeah so good to be getting back to this after your unfortunate uh computer explosion sean's computer fucking exploded on him basically yeah yeah that that was unfortunate um it was bad for many reasons yeah but hopefully we should be getting another episode done in the uh, near future uh finally doing an interview uh episode for uh, you know it's our first so that's a big deal so uh catch that next time and uh thanks for tuning in to the funk podcast yeah thanks <laughs>